Let's go, let's go. I am excited today. <laughs> oh my God, this is one that's going to be really, really good because I have a good friend, uh, a person I look up to on many different levels, Fayez Rana. Ron, what's your, how do Rana. You, Rana. I should have, yeah. dude, I should have asked that before. <laughs> I cannot believe I just did that. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, You've never called me by my last name. I haven't, dude. I haven't yet. That's uh, (laughs) I should have done that before. (laughs) Anyway, so Fayez is the founder of Prep to Your Door. He is a Harvard or Stanford graduate. No, I'm a dropout. I'm not a graduate of anything. Oh, fuck, (laughs) dude. I'm really. We should almost do this intro over again. We're not gonna redo it over again. So I thought you went to Stanford. No, never went to Stanford. I went to Harvard for a bit. Harvard. I mean, I did probably like 60 credits there. 60 credits. That's so you lot. were there for... It was like a, two years. Two years. That's a long time. Yeah, I have... Uh, I'm 16 or 12 or 16 credits away from graduating. Mm-hmm. So are you going But they're... Um, it's French 1, French 2, and a math class. And I'm like... What are those going to do? Time for this, because <laughs> I tried, and the French class required me to study like fucking like three or four hours a day, like really learn French. Yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm good. Like I'm building a business right now. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not committed to this. It, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you were there for two years, but like, why did you? why'd you drop out of such a, a prestigious school right like i never like could even dream of i never would dream of that before so like what why why drop out um it wasn't i mean it served me oh my god dude like look at your bookshelf like the things i got to study from harvard professors was mind-blowing the mm-hmm. conversations i got to have you know in bars on campus mind-blowing some of the most illuminating things I've ever experienced but so I studied government political science they call it government there mm-hmm. and that's a super intellectual pursuit for me I have I've always had this question like why does government exist not that I believe it should or shouldn't but like the true question like what do we have government for mm-hmm. what should government do and what should not what it, what should it not do it's still an open question, obviously. Um, but in terms of a uh, professional capacity, I'm I'm a business guy. Like I love I love business. I love when I was a kid, I would I would go into a McDonald's and like count how many people were there. I wonder how many burgers they're selling. I wonder why b- this Baskin Robbins is busy and that other Baskin Robbins isn't busy. Like my brain just likes to see those things. Mm-hmm. And I was just like I don't know. My energy was not in finishing those French classes. I was like, I want to start like, a business. Yeah. French. No, I, and kidding. I already dropped out of, I started college at university of Colorado Boulder. I yeah. did like three years there. Yeah. I dropped out. I started a business on campus. We, yeah, dude, I honestly would. So we should just go ahead and get into that because yeah. when we talked uh, at native hostel, shout out everybody that goes to native hostel yeah. used to go, we were just talking about how we, uh, I, I personally miss everybody there. I'm sure Fias feels the same way. Um, But so 
dude, let's get to the to the origins of Fias. How did you get <laughs> to the way you are today? Like what? Yeah, okay. Uh, so I'm 27, so I think I'm still in my origins. But yeah, when when will that shift? When are you going to be out of your orange origins? Into- well, we were also talking about that, like with COVID, the the growing up that we've had to do in the last yeah. few months. Yeah, I feel like it's happening right now. Mm. I'm like, okay, shit can hit the fan at any point. How do I, you know, take care of myself and my partner and the family and yeah, you know, yeah, it's real. <laughs> it's yeah. really real. Yeah, I was fa- like, holy shit! Like, I need to have six months worth of income in the bank. Yeah, my business needs to have six months of operating expenses in the bank. Like, yeah, we need to be responsible and step it up. Yeah, which is uh, an amazing thing, right? It's tough yeah. when you're going through it, but it's also can- awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So let's go back to the origins. Where, origins. yeah, where are you from? Where, where would you grow up? Born in Houston, uh, moved to Colorado Springs when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, when I was a kid, I got into a lot of trouble, <laughs> a lot, like like um, the worst kind of trouble. I just like to push the limits and see what. I almost like created an identity of being like, watch, watch yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, you guys don't want to do that? Like, oh, you know, fucking pussy. Like, <laughs> you know, it was dumb. It got me, it got me into, we'll get there. But yeah, that part of my personality got me into a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. But so my parents are both immigrants. They mm-hmm. moved to the U.S. because they got into the University of Houston for undergrad. That's where they met. Mm-hmm. They're both engineers. Um, so they kind of had that typical, not typical, the, the immigrant story. They came here with nothing. They started at the bottom. My dad just worked his way up in his career. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was in high school, um, he was now in management in the corporate world and they were, he worked for IBM. Mm -hmm. And so they would, he traveled five days out of the week, my whole childhood. And now they were sending him on international projects and he had a project in India. So he would have to either fly back and forth or they were like, we'll just move you there. And so he decided like my kids acting like a fuck up over here. I'm going to pull him out of this environment and we're going to go move to this new place. Yeah. I was pissed. (laughs) I had a girlfriend and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing to me? Like, we're moving to fucking India? What is this? Yeah. So I actually did high school in India, mm. um, which was mind-blowing. I was really angry. It was only supposed to be one year. Mm-hmm. How long did you end up staying? Three. Three. So the first six months, I was pissed. Then I ended up getting a girlfriend there. Of course. And then 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 everything (laughs) changed. (laughs) Um, But that was, that was a, so in Colorado, Colorado Springs is like. um, Rebellion. Is that how you would. That's, that was my phase there. Yeah, for sure. Rebellion. Yeah. But it's also a very conservative military city. Mm -hmm. You know, we had the Air Force Academy. I grew up right across from, I woke up and saw the Air Force Academy every day. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had the army base there and, you know, it was just like, you grew up in the Midwest, so it, it was, it's very Midwestern. Yeah. Um, but we also had the mountains. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to India, um, 
I had to go to an English speaking school, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the English speaking schools there are either, you know, with international kids like myself that, mm -hmm. that were there from other places or the richest Indians, mm -hmm. like the richest. Mm -hmm. And I had never been exposed to that type of rich person, that, that, that level. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, what do you, what does your dad do? And it would be, it would be really basic stuff. Like my dad, you know, our family business, we're the biggest light bulb manufacturers in India. And I'm like, holy, f that's a lot of light bulbs. Yeah. I, I had to go, I went to go, um, for like a study group at one kid's house. And this dude had walls <laughs> around their property and they had like sniper towers every 50 yards, every 50 yards, every 50 yards. <laughs> there was like a, a checkpoint to get to the house. Uh, and they were like, you know, the biggest producer of rice in the country. Wow. And you're just talking about these weird, ungodly, dynastic amounts of, of wealth. Mm, dynastic. Interesting. Yeah. That's a word. I made it a word. <laughs> dude, I love it. Dude. I think it is. I'm pretty sure. Should we look it up, dude? Yeah. I keep, keep, dynastic. Dynastic. I, I would, I'd put a dollar on that. Okay. No, um, We're not going to go there. Dynastic. Oh my. Relating to a line of hereditary rulers of a country. Yeah. So hereditary. Yeah, so yeah. all the kids that I was in school with were like these they're just inheriting all this money and yes, they have to get educated and they, they all went to fancy colleges and shit, but just to go through the motions because they were just, you know, part of like they had they're to. gonna become the executive at the family business. Mm -hmm. And their family business is fucking huge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh that was great. So I got to feel what that start to do right there? Like, what did your, you know, did you stop being as rebellious? Did you start no, to? I I was even more rebellious. <laughs> I was still full on um, rebellion at that age, but it like escalated my level of ambition because mm. I understood what was possible. Yeah. In Colorado, I just wanted to be like a fucking gangster or whatever, just mm. like this tough kid, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. I, there was a lot of racism in Colorado Springs, mm -hmm. a lot of racism. Um, and so that just, I just would get into fights a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, but in India, like I, I still had all that. I was, you know, partying, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, my, my goals got bigger because everybody around me, they're like, well, you know, my goal is to go to Johns Hopkins to become a doctor, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to become the CEO of this or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Mm. That's huge. Yeah. And, and I'm competitive. That's, that was part of the rebellious thing. Like I'm, I'm a competitor. Yeah. And I was like, well, my, my goals are going to be bigger than yours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you, you went there to India for three years. Then did you, came back when you were over there though i think that you started to do something like you started your first entrepreneurial <laughs> thing right didn't you um kind of yeah i mean i i yeah there was I mean, like like high school level i used to when i was in colorado springs like my um one of my 
friend's dad owned a gas station. So we used to steal cigarettes from the gas station and sell each cigarette for $5 a pop. <laughs> you know, we, I, I'd have all my friends like steal um, liquor from their parents' liquor cabinets and we'd sell them at lunchtime, like, <laughs> oh, by the time, you know, stuff like that. Um, in, in India, I would like sneak into the pharmacy and take cough syrup and then I'd mix it with soda and call it lean and I'd sell it by the bottle. Oh my God. <laughs> so I, was, I was always doing stuff like that. It didn't, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, How'd you know to do stuff like that? Like, where... I don't know. I watched Scarface. Like I wanted to <laughs> watch Scarface. Yeah. Um, I listened to rap. Like, I don't know. Just like, you know, um, that's funny. So yeah, that was, that was fun. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But um, you, you, so then you, they, I thought there was like an educational company that you started. To yeah, that with. was after. So okay. I came back to University of Colorado at Boulder. Yeah. And then same thing, like I'm good at school mm -hmm. um, because I can take tests well. I can cram well. Mm -hmm. If the class ever required a lot of homework, I would always do poorly in those classes. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's the same thing happened at, at Boulder. I basically, at some point I was like, I was studying economics and psychology mm -hmm. and I was like, why? I just, I just wanted to like start a business. I just wanted to make money and like, and so I actually dropped out and I started like an online convenience store before Uber Eats became a thing. Mm. Uber Eats wasn't around. Grubhub wasn't around all that stuff. And so it was called, our mascot was um, we were the CU Buffs. CU Buffs. So, so it was called Munchy Buffs. Munchy <laughs> Buffs. <laughs> and so we were open from 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. Mm. And, you know, we just like deliver chasers or like, you know, snacks and wow. munchies because we were in Boulder, Colorado. Nothing else. First to do. state to legalize weed. Mm. Munchies. Everybody got the munchies. Wow. Okay. So we turned a four bedroom house into like a mini convenience store. Like we'd go to Costco, fill up on all this stuff. And you know, I had a menu online and you could order and me and my roommates would go and deliver snacks all night long. Wow. dude! So I did that for like a year. Okay. And that was like my first LLC. Oh, you had a legitimate yeah. sort of thing. Um, were you paying taxes at that time or no? Or should we even mention? I, I, oh, we probably should I don't be quiet. So. <laughs> a lot. I mean, it was it was just like young kids just trying to do something. You yeah, know? yeah. And Which is cool. How did you find? How did you find some other people to be interested in the same thing? Or like they weren't. It was just my roommates. Mm. It was just my friends. Mm. Uh, I was going to do it by myself, regardless of everybody. Anybody joined me, but I was like, I mean, you can. I'll pay you by the hour to to yeah. do this. Like, yeah to go do deliveries cause I can't do them all. Yeah. So how'd you set up? Did you just set up like a website and like have a menu on there? How did people contact you and all that stuff? Like I'm interested in the details. But yeah. Because at a young age, like how do you know what to necessarily do there? It was so easy. Um, there was another website called hungry buffs and he, this guy was also a, a CU alum and it was basically an Uber eats only for the city of Boulder. Mm -hmm. It was like only for CU students. Mm. And so local restaurants would put their menus on, accept orders, you know, just like Uber Eats. Mm -hmm. But it was like... Did he have an app? No, it was a it, website. Okay, okay. It was like a super basic, basic looking website. You could put a menu, you could click which meals you wanted, 
and it would accept the payment and then some hungry bus delivery driver would go to the pizza store, pick it up and deliver it. Okay. Okay. So all I did was register on the website and put up my menu, which consisted of 24 ounce Gatorades, Kit Kats, chips, blah, blah, blah. I just, it was just like recognizing a small little opportunity. I mean, that's what a lot of business is. There's a, quote unquote hole in the market yeah. that nothing's open past 12 PM, but that's, we we're leaving the party at three Yeah, and I'm hungry. And so that's what we did. So I just did nothing fancy. Yeah. Uh, I met, uh, it was a, it was a classic middleman move. Mm. I was just a middleman. Mm-hmm. So classic middleman move. Yeah. You thought about that one a little bit. No, I've never heard. You I've, never. I've never strung those words together in my it, life. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a that's an interesting idea, though. Classic middleman. Yeah, that's what most businesses are. Businesses are. They're just like moving resources, one, resources from one thing to another, making yeah. it convenient, value whatever it is, like yeah. whatever the value is defined as. The, so yeah, convenient, easy, hassle-free. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Yeah. So you did that for a year. What's what ended it? Like why? Well, I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm just like selling snacks. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is not interesting to me. And, but I really used that time. I wasn't like super motivated by it. Mm-hmm. I did it because mm-hmm. I was committed to it. You know, it was my thing, mm-hmm. but I would use all my downtime, you know, to, I was just soaking. I was, I don't know, 20 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Reading books, watching movies, listening to interviews, just like filling my brain. Like, what do I want to do with my life? Yeah. That was a very anxious time in my life because my parents are like, what the, what are you, what are you doing? You just dropped out of school to do what? To, to sell snacks. Um, and I, and in, in my mind, I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something real. I wanted to change the world. Mm Mm-hmm. How would I do that? And so I was very angry with education at the time because I thought it was useless. Not, I mean, I, that's not my current opinion anymore. But at the time, I thought education is just putting all us all into these boxes. And it's not teaching us how to survive in the real world. It, they're making me study shit that I can, I can tell this is useless. Mm-hmm. This is not serving me. The format is not serving me or anybody around me. We have all these questions about what are we supposed to do afterwards? It's not training us. It's not delivering the promise that it made that we're going to pay a hundred or $200,000. And we're seeing that play out now. And so I thought, but less so about college education. I thought K through 12 was insidious. I thought I felt so constrained in K through 12 education, education, mm-hmm. sitting in the classroom, being forced to listen, do the homework. None of it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what about passion? What about fulfillment? Like, what about helping kids understand what they want to do in life, mm-hmm. what they're good at, what they have to offer, how they can grow, how their brain works. I was very passionate about that. Mm-hmm. And it came from like, a, a place where I felt like I had been that just picked up on my finger crack. You're good. Um, you know, so my parents were on assignment in Dubai at the time. Mm. And so my, what I, I said, I want to create a place where kids can discover 
what they're good at. Mm. And for, so my mom and I set up this little tutoring shop mm-hmm. because she used in to, Dubai? in Dubai, Dubai. Yeah, okay, she yeah. used to tutor kids and, um, my like English and math mm-hmm. and, um, and I was like, okay, we're going to change this up. Let's, we're going to have a center where we change up, um, the, the technical term is like pedagogy, mm-hmm. just a method of teaching. Mm-hmm. And we're going to help kids discover what their strengths are. Mm which was incredibly hard to do because the education system is so relentless about standardization and the pressure that the kids felt to get good grades in the curriculum they have at school to make sure they do well on their SATs and ACTs, then do their college applications. There's almost no time to discover what you're good at. Mm -hmm. Also the, the colleges don't recognize that, Mm -hmm. but anyways, um, so we did that. I I helped so many kids get into colleges that they wanted to versus colleges that their parents wanted them to. Mm. And I still talk to them and they're doing super well and they still ask me questions. But anyways, so we were do as we were doing that, one of the kids that we tutored, her mom was um, involved in philanthropy mm-hmm. and, and there was an orphanage in Iraq where there was like 2000 kids and these are kids that had lost everything in the war. We're talking about like six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year old kids that were just living in a camp with no future whatsoever that the 10 year olds were doing day labor because how were they supposed to feed their themselves, their baby sister, it, no systems, nothing. And she was like, we want to build a school there. Will you, basically, will you help us? And we jumped at the opportunity. We built an online school. It was crazy. It was amazing. We just took existing things like I did with Hungry Buffs. Like, okay, um, there was this thing called Canvas. Mm-hmm. Can Yeah, Canvas. And you can basically build online curriculum. We made videos. We taught teachers how to teach remotely um, in Arabic and English teach computer skills, do all these things. They set up, they built, you know, a little hut of a school over there Mm -hmm. in the camp. And these kids would come in and they would learn from teachers that were sitting in other parts of the world. And they're, it was insane Mm -hmm. to see that like, wow, this person's, this child's life is being changed right now. But it's not, it's not as idealistic as you might think. We lost a lot of 10 year olds to, you know, they can't afford to invest, invest is a big word, go to school. They need to go work Mm -hmm. 10 years old. Mm -hmm. We would lose, you know, 12 or 13 year old girls because it was a better move for them to get married Dang, that is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. So the, that was the, the reality. Yeah, like to survive, it's a better move for me to get married. To survive, it's a better move for me and go, and you know, pick up a wheelbarrow with bricks in it mm-hmm. than to learn 
you know, how to be good on a computer. Mm. And that was like, it was a life changing perspective for me because yeah. it's really easy to be theoretical and think about, okay, we're just going to teach all these kids in the world, you know, how to do Google docs and coding and this and that, and they'll be able to do anything. No, there's like realities on the ground. And so that experience was so moving to me that that's what inspired me to go back to school. Mm. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to do this at scale mm-hmm. because this is a worthwhile endeavor. Mm-hmm. And I had a very specific model because in Dubai, the kids that we were tutoring all went to private school, all fancy kids. Parents were paying twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year to send them to private schools. You know, mm-hmm. they were paying us thousands of dollars to tutor them on top of that, to do well at these private schools. Yeah. They would pay thousands of dollars for SAT training, thousands of dollars to help write their, you know, college applications. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. That's a, that's a crazy. Yeah. And that's happening everywhere, dude, because those were the type of kids I went to school with in India. Mm-hmm. And I, and I connected the dots there. I said, okay, in every major city in the world, you have schools like this. You have these really fancy private schools. And I said, okay. And I, I designed, I, I, I just, I created a huge business plan. I said, okay, we're going to create a chain of these private international schools in the major cities of the world. Mm-hmm. We're going to use the profit from these schools to create more of these digital schools that can train, that can teach the kids in the, underprivileged areas Mm. and that's the true mission Mm -hmm. and i was like i need to make this a reality Mm -hmm. so i went back to school this time not at cu it was at harvard Mm -hmm. but i wasn't going there to finish my degree i was going there to pitch this business plan to everybody that i could get to listen to it Mm. i went to the graduate schools I did the think tanks at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I talked to kids at HBS, the business school, everybody. And like fucking people were inspired. They're like, holy shit, you're like fucking 22 years old and you're thinking about this. And and I'm like, yeah, like this is what I'm doing. Um, But it was such a huge project and nobody would bite because I didn't have real experience. Like, yeah, we'd set up this one program, this one school, but to, but I had no experience actually running a private school. Yeah. Right. And I, I had a experience running a tutoring center, Mm -hmm. but a hundred kids versus 2000 kids. Big difference. Big difference. Um, everybody was super, um, fired up by what I was trying to do but nobody was willing to write me a check. Also, I didn't even know how to go about it. Yeah. I didn't know how to run a business truly. Yeah. With that magnitude of responsibility mm-hmm. where, where parents are paying you to take care of their kids mm-hmm. futures. Mm-hmm. So I had sort of like a come to Jesus moment with, um, somebody that I look up to mm-hmm. and he was like, this is all great, but you just don't have the skill set to pull it off right now. Mm. You need to go do something else. Mm-hmm. What, whatever it was about that conversation, it, it, it resonated. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. So I ended up meeting my, 
now partner Heather in a class. And what class? Um, it was a creative thinking class for business mm. where we learned, you know, just um, the create basically a four, it was all centered around this um, four step framework for bringing creative ideas to life, mm-hmm. which is uh, you clarify, you ideate, you develop and you implement and mm-hmm. you just keep doing that mm-hmm. and you respect which stage you're in. And you work with people that excel at different stages and that's how you see ideas through. I still use that to this day. Like I look at people and I'm like, this person's more of a clarifier than they are a developer. Mm. This person's more of an ideator than they are an implementer. Mm. But you match these types of people, right? That's how you build teams. Mm -hmm. So you, so you're sitting there in creative business, creative business, creative thinking, creative thinking. And you see Heather, and you're like implement her to the max. Yeah. She didn't sit a moment with an idea before she's like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm like, no, think about it a little more. <laughs> think about how you're going to do it before you just start fucking throwing shit at the wall. Yeah. But yeah, we got paired on a project. We were doing a real, um, project for ACT, mm-hmm. you know, ACT taken in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were working on a project for them, which we would pitch them and they may or may not use. Mm hmm. We just worked so well together, but on top of that, we ended up spending all day, every day with each other. Time outside of the classroom. Time outside of the classroom. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) And I was like, honestly, before that, I I had been like, did you ever watch House of Cards? No. I'm the worst at stuff like that. Then this won't resonate with you. Let's hear it anyways. Well, there's, so there's Frank Underwood and Claire Underwood. Frank is a politician trying to become president. Claire's his wife who's equally ambitious and they're just this ambitious couple that like make shit happen. Yeah. You know? And I was like, man, I need, I need a Claire. I need a Claire. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like I, she's, she was tall, blonde, short hair and just a fucking lioness, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that's what Heather is. Yeah. That's what she is. Yeah. And I, I recognized it and I was like, I just, I pursued her and then, Mm -hmm. I, she was based out of, um, Austin. Mm-hmm. So I moved here after, after school. Like did she I drop stopped, out too? I stopped going to school. No, she actually just finished her program. So she was getting her master's in journalism. Mm. I was finishing my undergrad, yeah. but I was just taking a graduate course cause I could, mm-hmm. um, it was one of the graduate classes that an undergraduate could take if they wanted to, mm-hmm. and it would apply to their degree. Mm. So it applied to my degree. Um, but her program, she could um, take a certain percentage of her classes off uh, online mm-hmm. versus being on campus. Mm-hmm. And so she had fulfilled her online uh, on campus. campus requirements. Yeah. So she was in, she was in Austin mm-hmm. and she, um, she had a little business. She like did uh, resumes for people. Mm-hmm. Um, before that she had, a, she, so she's eight years older than me. Yeah. So I was 23. She was 32, mm. which was like, does that matter? Like, you know, I'll, we were figuring that out. We would talk about it. Like, is this going to work? Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, at the time, like I'm, I'm assuming here, but I'm sure you're, you know, for a 20, even at 23, 
you probably didn't act like a 23 year old. No, she didn't think I was 23. Nobody thought I was 23. Yeah. I'm like walking around with this fucking notebook portfolio of like, this is what I'm working on. Like, do you want to fund it? I wasn't (laughs) acting like a 23 year old. Yeah. I was acting like I belonged in the United Nations. Mm. Like, cause that's what I was, that's the level I was thinking, thinking I was trying to actualize that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so did you, how'd you guys get back to Austin? Like, what was the motivation? Like, well, I was in school. I was still, I was on campus. Yeah. And she was back in Austin. And I was like, I'm gonna drop this class and go to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all it was. I was like, I'm gonna drop this class. I'm going to Austin. Yeah. So wow. I came here. Did you, so when you're thinking about that choice, cause you're making it, I think you're making it seem Impulsive, a little bit dude. easier. It, was it that easy? It was that easy. Interesting. That, that's a, that was the reckless part of my personality. You just didn't, you're like, I'll figure it out. Totally. That's a total life shift, right? Like moving from like kind of, I mean, dropping out of college and moving to Austin. Like yeah, you know, you've never dropping out of college again, yeah, again at a better college <laughs> the one of the best. Yeah, <laughs> literally. So, well, you know what it was? I was taking this social media class mm. and I was like, this is bullshit like this fucking chick doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about i was like she's teaching us all these social media theories and i'm like and i was just looking at the class around me and they're taking taking their notes and i'm like dude why are you taking notes go start posting go start making go start doing and learning yeah for sure. and i was like oh like i'm not doing this i'm out that's it i was like i'm out and like my mom my dad heather my my family they they were like oh my god here we go again again you know here we go again heather this was her first time so she had fresh energy to try to convince me to stay in school (laughs) but my parents were like here we go again yeah and dude you can't talk me off that ledge like if you try to convince me to school even to this day heather is like you should go finish your four classes go finish your four classes and i'm like no yeah I won't do it. <laughs> I will not do it until, until I'm doing it purely for the learning mm-hmm. and like, because I'm interested in it, not mm-hmm. because I need the piece of paper to succeed. Mm-hmm. I've already proven that's not true. Mm-hmm. I'm doing well, mm-hmm. you know, that piece of paper will never validate me. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Austin, right? Okay. This is, this is where the story gets uh, very current. I would say. Yeah, this is three and a half years ago. Yeah. Three and a half years ago. Which so, we moved here. That, which, what is that? Like 2000? 2016. End of two, 2016? It was the summer of 2016, yeah. Okay. I came here at the end of... Or, so, yeah. the class was in July, right? I dropped out of the... I dropped the class. I didn't drop out. I still actually um, technically haven't dropped out. Yeah. I'm still a student. How does that work? Um, like, how are you? Like, I mean, you're not paying anything without dude. boring people. Yeah, I, I did go. I have taken more class between that July of 2016 and now 2019. Mm. I still took more class. Like, I went back and I did take some more classes. Okay, like one a year type of thing. Mm-hmm. One a semester. Um, in the early days of prep to your door, I was taking three or four classes sometimes. Wait, wait, wait. What? What was that? You did. We did. We just skipped over prep to your what? Let's get okay. <laughs> wait, the, so how did? Uh, let's get back to the. Okay, so we'll stick stick to 2016. Right? Mm-hmm. So, 
I come to Austin. It was supposed to be for a week. I stayed for like two months or something like that. Then, uh, what were you doing? Are you just like chilling? I was just chilling. Yeah. Just, I had like some money. Yeah. Um, from the tutoring business. Yeah. And I was just, what'd you think know, of Austin? Just kicking it. Um, it was hot, dude. <laughs> Still Originally, is hot. I was like, man, this is hot. I mean, I, I was in Dubai before that. Yeah, right? so w- what's that like? Is Dubai like way the same, hotter than Way this? hotter? Oh my God, dude. Like 20 degrees hotter. Oh my, in the summer here, it's like 10. You can't survive, but the indoors is so, it's freezing. Yeah. I remember people wear. People carry around sweaters in the summer to, over there. That's to like, go in, just go inside. To go inside. It's <laughs> so cold. But yeah, for whatever reason, I, I wasn't super inspired by Austin when I first got here. Yeah. But this is like my favorite city now. This is my home for life. Yeah. I will. I have laid roots here. This will forever be my home base. Mm. I may live other places, but like this is where I will. This will be my HQ forever. Yeah. So how did. Uh... So when you first got here, though, like you just were like, I'm not, I don't like it. I, or it's I, not I didn't super actively say I don't like it, but I was just like, to be honest, it wasn't that diverse. Mm-hmm. That bothered me. Mm-hmm. I was like, um, but honestly, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. I just knew Heather. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't have anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was a romance that what the honeymoon phase of our relationship. So we were just obsessed with each other. Enjoying a new yeah, city. But at some point, you know, starts to wear off. No, that didn't wear off as much as the, how am I going to pay my bills Mm. now? Okay. And that's when I was like, okay, I, what am I going to do? I was like, okay, I'll, I'll tutor some SAT online. You know, that's how I felt about that. (laughs) And then, you know, I was applying for jobs and it was just that whole, what am I going to do thing? Um, But she used to make she to impress her in the early stage of our relationship Mm -hmm. she was a vegetarian Mm -hmm. and i was like okay i'll try it i was a major meathead major (laughs) major meathead dude like you know regular yeah regular american ate meat at with every meal uh, meat and potatoes type of yeah dude i just it was weird it was it was weird like to eat a meal without meat yeah Mm. that's not a meal yeah for sure so I was like, okay, let me try this vegetarian experiment for 10 days. And I was like, oh, uh, that's kind of interesting. I did it, you know, <laughs> and I tried some new stuff and I just ate a lot of eggs to be honest. <laughs> um, but I started to learn about the impact that our food system had on the environment, on climate change specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I was very passionate about because mm. when I was designing the school curriculums, I would say, what are the things that kids really need to be learning about? Well, they need to be learning about the problem, the actual problems in the world mm-hmm. and the skills to solve those problems. So what are some of those problems and, um, sustainability fell into that category. Mm-hmm. We're super wasteful. You know, there's oceans are getting, getting demolished, yeah. you know, um, our soil is being degraded. Our, our, the soil is the biggest um, carbon sink beyond the Amazon rainforest, and our soil is being degraded by the way that we grow food. Mm. Health, you know, we eat like shit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So all these things, whatever. She used to make uh, food and put salads in mason jars, and that's just how we would eat for the week, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Where did she get that idea from? Is that something in New that York? Fa- New in York. New York. Yeah, when she lived in New York, she I could tell that story, but she was she had a long career ten I don't know in New York, mm-hmm. and that was kind of part of how she survived and ate well. Yeah. And so, anyways, in a, in, yeah, in, a in a mason jar, and she would layer them in a certain way so they stayed fresh. And mm. she's a great cook and knew the ingredients out in there. And all yeah, that stuff. she's very like her dad's a farmer, so she's okay. very knowledgeable about this stuff. And um, I took one of those jars to Houston, where my mom—that's where my mom's side of the family is. Okay. Um, and her younger sister had her first baby. And I started making these salads for her and I'm at my grandma's house and like, everybody is like, Oh man, these are really good. Um, and one of my aunts was like, I would pay for this. I was like, Oh, would you know, (laughs) show me the money. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought about it and I was like, okay, if I got this many people to buy this many meals, I would make this much a month and that would help me get by until I figured out what my next move is. Yeah. Well, that just ended up becoming the whole next move. Um, so in the last three and a half years, I don't want to blow. I feel like I've been going so, I, I don't talk about myself like yeah. this for so long. <laughs> so I don't want to blow Prosper up to your door. Cause this has been the most important part of my life. Yeah. But yeah, I mean what turned into that little equation. I'm like, okay, how do I make a few extra thousand bucks, um, a month to pay rent and whatnot turned into an actual business, like an actual business. And this, this one, I've, I mean, we've talked about it before, but this is like where you're learning the operational side of things a little bit more, right? Like you're, yeah, it's not, it's not munchy buffs or <laughs> munchy a buffs, tutoring dude. center. Like, you know, there's 30 plus people on payroll. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, we serve thousands of people. We're operating in multiple cities which congrats on that, by the way, dude. I haven't, Thank you. I haven't ta- seen you or talked to you since then, but yeah. you're in Houston now, right? We're in Houston now, and if I said, let's do Dallas, everybody would be on board right now, but I'm like, no, let's wait. Yeah, I, I want to really excel in Houston and understand how to operate in a city that's not our home base mm. and then replicate that strategy in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spread Push. ourselves thin. I want to grow sustainably, responsibly. Um, and we can get into all that. That's those, those are the questions. Now I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't deal with the angst of, you know, in my early twenties, late teens of what am I going to do with my life? I'm doing my life now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I have real responsibility. I have a real business. I, I'm in a new stage and now I have choices about how do I want to grow my business? Mm -hmm. And there's many ways to go about that. You know, you can stay a small business forever, which I'm not interested in. (laughs) You can, you know, go and seek outside funding like the company that you work Mm -hmm. for now. And, you know, um, there's ways to grow. There's multiple those, ways those to are, grow. Those are the two most common stories you would hear about. You either stay a small business or you go seek investment mm-hmm. and you try to get really big really fast. Mm-hmm. And I have explored some middle ground option, which is operate like a small business in the early days, 
with the focus of reinvest running a real fundamentally sound business Mm -hmm. that generates a profit and reinvest those profits in growth. Mm -hmm. And I have, we have done that Mm -hmm. and it has allowed us to grow, you know, almost 400% every single year to the point where we're now a seven figure business and I have my eyes on eight figures in the next couple of years. And we're talking about real money to support real people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Our employees are people with master's degrees from Harvard and UT. And these are people that could have careers at legitimate other companies, but for whatever reason they believe (laughs) in what we're doing (laughs) and they're fired up about it. And we have this vision, um, for this company. Yeah. And which, which let's, uh, what is prep to door? Like exactly like, what do you, yeah. you guys offer and stuff like that. So we're an organic plant-based meal delivery service, but we're the only meal prep company that does it with zero waste. What mm-hmm. that means is it comes in these mason jars and we collect the bags in the mason jars every week with your new delivery. And to the, the, the logistics that goes behind that, it's really cute when you're just delivering a hundred meals, but when you're doing thousands and thousands, the back end operations to support that and do it in a way that it's not eating into the bottom line. It's uh, it's a whole project. It's, it's, we're, we're not, we're kind of like a, a restaurant, except we're not confined to a certain number of seats and number of seats in the house. Mm-hmm. I can cook food and deliver it to anybody. Mm-hmm. Then we're like a UPS or a FedEx or an Amazon where we're a delivery service. So there's a whole, logistics side to our business Mm -hmm. and then we're like a manufacturer because we're manufacturing meals and i need to understand how to run a plant essentially Mm -hmm. so we're these and we're an e-commerce business Mm -hmm. right all of our sales our storefront is online so i'm learning all these business models and we're like fusing it into this one thing so that's the business side but why are we organic? Why are we plant-based and why are we yeah, zero waste? I feel waste? like those are huge things to... Those are our core pillars. Yeah. And there's always constant heavy debate about that. Mm-hmm. What, what, what a debate about? Like internally? Why should we stay organic? Why should we stay plant-based? Why is it important to be zero waste? Mm-hmm. Well, the reason that it's important is because of health in the environment. Mm-hmm. When I think of health, I not only think of human health, I think of environmental health. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of everything holistically. I don't think that, okay, we can sell, you know, a million plastic bottles and once it's sold, it's no longer my problem. In economics, you, you learn something called positive and negative externalities Mm -hmm. and we don't account for our negative externalities, the, the, the way of business in the eighties and Mm nineties where greed was good, Mm -hmm. right? They didn't account for the negative externalities. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, in order to continue to survive and thrive and deal with all the social problems that we have, we must consider the negative externalities of our businesses and companies. Mm-hmm. And you I, started on those foundations, right? Like, absolutely. That's the that's the whole reason that we started. Mm-hmm. That's why I was passionate about education and education company. I wanted kids to solve these problems. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to grow up and think about what specific job do I need to make my parents happy or to pay the bills. I wanted, I wanted kids to grow up thinking I am passionate about this problem mm-hmm. and I'll make a career out of contributing to the solution of this problem. Mm-hmm. Right. 
which is a really the really cool thing about Austin and the community that we have here. We're all driven towards that sort of mindful ambition, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Using our ambition to create good in the world mm-hmm. rather than just extract from it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, it, it, it comes down to how we pay our employees, for example. Do I look at my, um, you know, kitchen staff or delivery staff as people who just clock in and clock out? You're here. You get paid your wage. You need to do the job. You be grateful for it and get out. Mm-hmm. Is it like that? Or do I invest in them as if they're real people? Mm. Do We do... We have benefits that you only get at like a Starbucks level company. Mm. We have worked so hard to get our benefits program because we want to take care of you at the human level. Mm. We invest in their financial literacy. We bring in, you know, financial experts to teach them about how to save for the future. Mm. I, I open the books to anybody. It could be the dishwasher could come sit at my desk and I'll say, this is what our profit and loss statements looks like. This is our balance sheet. This is how much we owe in debt. This is how much we make. Very transparent. It's And it's not just transparency for transparency's sake. Can't. Imagine how much stronger the company is if everybody is smarter in this way. And we're all thinking of, about the business in a business sense. Yeah. You're in, they're invested too. They're right? invested. Like, yeah. And so by doing all of that, we've built like this company culture of like, giving a massive fuck Mm -hmm. we everybody in there is like they feel tied to it Mm -hmm. and so how could we possibly stay a small business we can't there's too much energy to harness Mm. you know everybody is motivated they see the future partially because i'm very open about sharing that with them Mm -hmm. and so we all have this can-do attitude Mm -hmm. like if anybody else can do it we can do it Mm -hmm. if 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 whole foods exists if John Mackey built Whole Foods, then who's going to build the next generation of Whole Foods? We are. Mm-hmm. We are. You're thinking like that? Absolutely. Yeah. What is that? I look at HEB all the time. For anybody not listening in Texas, HEB is like the biggest grocery store chain in Texas. Central Very Texas. community. Central and South, South yeah. Texas. Yeah. Very community oriented. Mm-hmm. And who's, who talks bad about HEB? Nobody. Nobody. I love HEB. Everybody loves HEB. They're pillars it. of the community. Mm-hmm. You know how much money they make? A lot. $22 billion a year. <laughs> hey, dude. And they're only in Texas. It's crazy. They have some stores in Mexico, but mm. how, how much compared to Texas? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's insane. Yeah. That's like Uber. Mm-hmm. That's bigger than Airbnb. And what do they do? They just, I mean, it's a grocery it's store. It's a grocery like, store. It's not like this sexy like business you know totally and i look at that and i think okay i want to create the food business of the next generation the way i think food ought to be done Mm. right and that's what whole foods was Mm -hmm. that is what whole foods was but i don't think it's that anymore because they got acquired by amazon and if you go to their prepared food section and you look at the ingredients it's filled with preservatives it's not organic anymore. You you look at the food on the shelves. It's not the highest quality that it used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's dude. Walmart used to be the epitome of quality. <laughs> you worked at Walmart. It was like, damn, you work at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. You no. work at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like you work at Walmart. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
and that's it that's just how you know the ebbs and flows of history yeah it's and great. so now we're like okay next generation it's our time yeah so i'm gonna build the next whole foods me mm-hmm. and my team mm-hmm. and all the community that supports us mm-hmm. that's what we're gonna do how's that look what's that look like you gotta stick around to find out <laughs> <laughs> i don't know yeah you know you just take it i mean i have ideas and what's one of them what's one thing you'd like to change well okay so what's the what are the most important pillars right going back to organic plant-based zero waste um the reason that we keep organic around is because um soil health Mm -hmm. it's it the if you look at the nutritional value of a conventionally grown tomato Mm -hmm. and an organic tomato the nutritional profile of the vitamins and minerals in the organic tomato is 30 vitamins and minerals in the organic one, two in the conventional. If you go and watch how this conventional tomato is grown, you would never eat that thing. Mm -hmm. There's in hazmat suits spraying this shit down, but you never see it. So out of sight, out of mind. But if Mm -hmm. you watched it happen, you wouldn't eat it. Mm -hmm. And okay. So there's the human health aspect of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, why is there such a huge supplement industry now? It's because our food is not providing us the micronutrients that we need. It's not just calories, protein, fat, carbohydrates. Our body needs all, uh, I can't, I'm not an expert in this, but all kinds of vitamins and mm-hmm. minerals and enzymes and nutrients in order to function. Mm-hmm. Um, our food is not delivering that. But aside from the human health aspect, there's the environmental aspect the conventional farming, the monocropping, these giant farms that just do uh, corn, soy, potatoes, they're they're destroying our environment. Mm-hmm. And again, it's out of sight, out of mind. We don't know how that's related to our life mm-hmm. right now. But over time, uh, it has a tremendous impact. And I don't want to geek out about all that stuff <laughs> right now, but that's why organic is important to us. Yeah. Plant-based is important. Well, 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 can I I touch on that for a second? What do you think about then, like, you know, growing up in a not a privileged household or let's just say, right? Like, you you know, you always hear the argument of like, well, organic's more expensive and all that stuff. Like, what's the, what do you think about that? The same way that um, a TV like this right here would have cost $10,000 at some point. But a certain percentage of people did buy the $10,000 TV Mm -hmm. because those people bought the $10,000 TV starts to become Samsung could figure out how to make it a little bit cheaper economies of scale, right? Economies of scale. Mm -hmm. So we just have to make, or we have to invest and by invest, I mean, buy from Mm -hmm. organic farmers Mm -hmm. and organic farmers will achieve economies of scale and organic food will become more accessible yeah that's just how, how do works. you think do you think that the farming process of i don't know i'm not an ex i have very little information in this industry so when you start to grow organic and you start to hit that mass scale is it achievable right like i feel like i've always heard the argument of like oh that's not it's not possible to not have food that's kind of not the best for you because yeah. there's so many people well that's definitely one thing to consider the number of people that we have. And also I think the way that the world used to work, we were going, globalization was good. Mm -hmm. Everything you, you specialize in what you're good at 
other people specialize in what they're good at and you trade, Mm -hmm. you trade across borders, you know, all that. Mm -hmm. But now what we're learning is that we need to build more resilient local economies. Mm -hmm. And so what I would rather see is rather than one farm that grows all the potatoes, I'd rather see many small farms. Mm -hmm. So it's about increasing the number of small organic farmers versus the two or three massive conventional farming conglomerates. Mm -hmm. And through that, you have diversity and resiliency in the system. Mm. So that's that's my take on mm-hmm. it and why is the history behind like farming a little bit how did it do you know how it got to the point it is today of like uh mass farming because i'm sure it didn't it was to- good for it was it was a major breakthrough this uh you can read about it called the green revolution okay so the green revolution was again this problem of we have so many people now how do we feed everybody and so they learned what we now call conventional farming mm. and it was basically how to control the environment to ensure the outcome of your harvest. Mm-hmm. Right. Which you couldn't, you, I mean, you that's, couldn't do it before. You didn't know if it rained too much, if it got too hot, if the you know pest came, blah, 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 blah. So many variables in nature. Mm-hmm. You controlled for that mm-hmm. and you controlled for that with essentially chemicals. chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great. It mm-hmm. was, um, something, beneficial for humanity our population ended exploded we Mm -hmm. could feed an unprecedented amount of people yeah but now we're learning about the negative externalities of that and we have to correct for it Mm -hmm. so i'm not out here do you think everything has negative externalities sorry to interrupt there again but like is there anything that's inherent because like you know what you were talking about in what was the negative externalities and then the positive externalities right like so I mean, everything's probably got to have some of that, right? Like, probably. I mean, like, is there a world in which there's no no harm? I let's say I don't think so. It's like um, you want to reduce the negative uh, effects, though, right? Like, you could do things. Yeah. There's still negative effects, let's say, but like, you, the whole point is to just try to reduce those over time. Yeah, that's yeah. practical. Yeah. So I think about it like um, uh, being fit. Mm. You don't get fit. And then you Hand. just stay fit. You don't just stop. Yeah. You have to maintain your fitness. Yeah. And it's the same thing with good and evil in the world. Mm. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people will say, well, what's the point? What's the point of trying to do good when bad shit is always going to happen? Mm-hmm. There's always evil shit going on. Mm-hmm. Well, the point is that if you don't actively try to do good, then the bad is just going to dominate. Mm hmm. You, you just, you always have to be making that effort. So if you're not actively trying to get healthy and stay healthy, then you will digress. Mm-hmm. You'll just become unhealthier and unhealthier and unhealthier. And that's why I don't think you can have a defeatist attitude in life that bad shit's always going to happen. Therefore, I'm not going to make any effort to do good. Mm. You have to do good because if you think about it, it's just like, think about it in terms of armies, mm-hmm. you know, one's it's a back and forth you push you push you push you try to gain ground Mm -hmm. and i think about that in terms of good and evil Mm -hmm. you know positive and negative externalities you just because you can't deliver a hundred percent positive all the time doesn't mean you just give up completely it's true you know that's true yeah 
So you were talking about the core principles, right? Uh, organic was one of them. What was uh what was some of the other ones? Plant based, plant based, and zero waste. Yeah, so let's touch on uh, plant based a little bit. Yeah, you were okay. the meat guy before, right? Like yeah, and I still so Heather's dad is um a farmer. Yeah, up to you know like an hour away from here. Mm-hmm. Where at in Texas? Yeah, yeah in uh, Belton. Belton. What's yeah. the farming like? What do they? What kind of farm? I mean, he's not like a professional farmer. He has cattle and mm. chickens, but okay. he's just. He he has he has a construction company, so he's a construction guy. Okay. Um, he's done some amazing projects. Very successful construction company. Mm-hmm. Um, but now in his older age, he's just, he's a farmer. That's yeah. how he. It's amazing. Yeah. He stays. He's up from sunrise till sunset working Work. the land, and I think that's going to keep him alive for a long, long time. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, yeah, like last night I had eggs from his farm. Those, yeah. those eggs are living, those chickens are living a happy life. Yeah. Those chickens have like an acre. Yeah. Okay. How many takes, chickens are there? I don't know. A lot. A lot. Not, not maybe like, I don't know, 10, 20. Okay. Something like that. Okay. They produce way more eggs than he can eat. Mm. Right. So whenever we go up there, we bring down like three dozen eggs. Nice. I have no issues with that. Right. Yeah. Like it's humane. Those chickens are doing good. Mm-hmm. He takes like a lot of care of those chickens. Mm-hmm. And then her sister is a professional bow hunter. Mm. She was an under Armour UA hunt athlete. Dang. You know, she, that's her career. Yeah. She travels the world. Bow hunting. Bow hunting. Wow. So if they bring home some elk. I mean, that elk, that's the highest quality meat I'm ever going to find. Yeah. You know? I've never really had a good elk steak, to be honest. So I like, mean, I, don't, I don't, I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to eat <laughs> no. it. But yeah, you know, yeah. her dad. They, they, I mean, this is this is where vegans don't agree with me. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't buy meat from the store. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in factory farming, mm-hmm. and I think hunters agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. Joe Rogan said in his podcast with, uh, whatever Joe DeSena, mm-hmm. they were both talking about this and they both said like factory farming should be outlawed mm-hmm. because if you go to one of those, first of all, it's horrifying what they do to these animals. Second of all, it is disgusting. All the shit yeah. and piss, <laughs> yeah. where does it go? It goes into our water. Yeah. It, it, the technical term is eutrophy and mm. there's eutrophication, all this waste. And this is from conventional farming as well. The pesticides, the phosphorus, it all seeps into our freshwater sources. And what it does is it creates a bunch of algae growth and algae covers the t- surface of the water and it kills everything beneath it because it blocks the sunlight. And now you just have dead pools of water. Wow. Contaminated. Mm. And fresh water is not like the ocean. It's not abundant. We have a limited supply. So that's one of the reasons I'm against factory farming. Mm-hmm. But but on the front of plant based, yeah, plant based. What what's so? Um, damn, I had a thought. No, you're good. So did you? What I mean, what did you feel better when you went plant based? Like what? I mean, are well, you? Well, this is why we use the word plant based and not vegan, mm-hmm. because you can be a super unhealthy vegan. Mm-hmm. Like Oreos are vegan. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, I didn't, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be a junk food vegan and be just as unhealthy as anybody else. Mm-hmm. But I like the word 
plant-based because I'm eating the majority of my food as real ingredients. Mm-hmm. That's one of our things. Mm-hmm. We, we don't use preservatives. We don't use processed ingredients. You read our ingredient list and they're foods you can you imagine know. in your head. You can see it in the produce section. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I eat the majority of my diet. Mm-hmm. And from a business perspective, that's what we specialize in. We're going to do plant-based, healthy plant-based food better than anybody. It's going to be fucking delicious. It's going to be like, man, I never would have been able to make this on my own. Right. We're just going to be the best at that. Nobody's going to outcompete us on that. Mm -hmm. But from an ethical standpoint, first, I just think like everybody in America could afford to eat more vegetables. Mm -hmm. That's it. I don't Mm -hmm. think you should be vegan, but I'm pretty sure you benefit from eating some more vegetables. Um, and back to the fresh water, um, the majority of our fresh water use on this planet is used to factory farm. Mm-hmm. It's used to grow soy, corn, and wheat are the three crops that we grow the most in this country. And the majority of it is used to feed the livestock. So think about all the water that you use to grow that food, to feed the livestock. And then those animals need um, water as well. Yeah. And then think about all of the machinery and mm-hmm. the processes and operations to support all of that. Mm-hmm. So fossil fuels, water, land, deforestation, all of those things to support the chicken breast or beef, conventional beef in our grocery store. Yeah. Which a lot of that comes back to the idea though of a meal is not a meal until it has meat in it. Right. Well, it like, has meat in it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's where you're like, dude, I mean, most Americans, I would say, grow up with a meat, you know, totally. in, in every yeah. every meal. You it was know, in our like, Lunchables. It was in, you know, our, the turkey sandwich our mom would make for us. It was in the bacon at breakfast. It was in the hot dog at lunch. Like, yeah, it's in everything. So that, that there's like a see, there's like I, there's two sides of this coin, right? Because I know people that they're like um, meat heads, let's say. You know, like in the literal sense of the term, like they like meat is a staple to the way that they view the world. Right. Like if you don't eat meat, like you're not getting the stuff that you need, let's say. Yeah. So it's like, um, I guess, you know, there's like a what's right, what's wrong. Like who's to say necessarily, you know, like we don't we have an idea like we all die at a certain age, though. um, So. I don't know yeah. about that. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. you improving your improving your quality of life is I think the main reason why people probably would try to switch up their diet, right? So Yeah, definitely. Longevity. You, yeah, exactly. Um, like, and do you think also that, how you feel. Mm-hmm. Um when you give up you don't have to give up meat. I want to be clear about that. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. But I think that you want to look at the source of your meat. Mm-hmm. And that comes back to the small organic farmer, the mm-hmm. regenerative farmer the the farmer that's not producing at a mass scale like the factory farm mm-hmm. somebody like you know my soon-to-be father-in-law mm. the person that cares like hell for his cattle mm-hmm. you know mm. um, soon-to-be father-in-law yeah what? that's open it's not like a secret we I talk didn't... about it all the time really i didn't know that yeah we're planning on getting married in november really yeah congrats dude <laughs> thanks when did when did that come up like, i mean i haven't proposed but yeah. like it's just like that's just how we roll we're yeah like, what yeah, i think we'll get married in november really yeah are you gonna have a wedding 
No, just, just the like beauty a, of COVID, dude. We yeah. don't have to do. We yeah. don't have to do it. <laughs> it's something that she's always been like. I don't want to do a wedding. I want to keep, you know. And I'm just like, I don't know how you get away with that with my family. Like my family, it's like, poof, you need wedding. It. Let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if I can disappoint my family like that. Yeah, maybe. And my grandma the other day, she was like, I told her, she was like, when are you gonna, when are you and Heather getting married? I was like, I don't know. We want to do it this year, but COVID. She's like, ah, oh, it's fine. Just, just, just do it, and we can do something later. And I was like, whoa, holy shit! Grandma saying shit. Let's go. <laughs> so, that's awesome. So yeah, that's, that's like the 2020 saying, right? Like, I don't know, because of COVID. Like, yeah, everybody, I don't, know. I don't know. COVID. Yeah, like, COVID. <laughs> literally, how long is that gonna last, dude? I mean, I don't want to get off too on a tangent, but actually, I kind of do. What do you like? How is all of this? Well, let's you, finish the meat. Thing, okay, and we'll okay. move on because okay. it's honestly it doesn't take up a lot of my brain space on a day to day. I don't yep. think about it. Yeah. Um. Like, do you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I want to make, you know, the majority of our customers aren't vegan. Mm-hmm. I, we've surveyed them extensively. I talked to them. Our customers aren't vegan. These are just people that, you know, they watch the documentaries. They probably see the articles and they're like, yeah, there's probably something to eating more plant-based. Mm-hmm. And so we, I, I, what I always say is just eat one more plant-based meal a day. Mm-hmm. Just one, just have one and, and your health will change. And if everybody did that, the environment would change. And I mean, you've had PTYD. You mm-hmm. might have added some meat to it or not. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do. But you're like, oh, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll make it to the next meal. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. You feel great, actually. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing were this, uh, this smoothies, though. Yeah. That was my favorite. <laughs> I won't lie. Okay, it was good. so good, dude. Uh, there's stories behind the smoothies. That's how we started. Smoothies? Yeah. But for the meatheads. Mm-hmm. The meatheads, it's just like... First of all, meatheads probably have um, not necessarily health-related goals. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They have physique goals. Mm. So all of their actions are in service of how they look, not necessarily how their body is operating on the inside. Mm-hmm. Which um, is a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah. Um, what's the C.T. Fletcher? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big, big boy. Heart attack. He's, like He's plant-based now. He's, yeah, yeah. After I think after he had a he had yeah. a heart transplant or something. And now he's got to make sure that that heart sticks around. So when you start thinking from how do I keep my organs healthy, how do I keep my cells healthy mm-hmm. perspective, you evaluate the food you're putting in your body differently. Again, I'm not saying don't eat any meat mm-hmm. at all, but I'm saying look at what that farmer was feeding that animal. Mm-hmm. What was he or she injecting that animal with? Mm-hmm. What was the food that the animal was eating, what was it being sprayed with? You know, all that stuff and ends up in our body. Mm -hmm. So that's all, that's all I'm saying. And that's why we like to support local Texas farmers Mm -hmm. because they're paying attention to the quality of the food. They're growing in a different way than somebody's just maximizing their return. Mm -hmm. You know, that, um, that a cow is just a dollar sign. Mm -hmm. It's not like something to be taken care of. Yeah. You know, the quality of life of the meat will result in a higher quality of meat that you're eating. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, you know, when I originally discovered Prep to Your Door, I was like, wow, this is a great idea. First off, like <laughs> I love the zero waste aspect of the company and then also how good the food is, too. It's like and you're doing something that's like good, right? Like you, huh. you, you have a you, there's no ethical like there's it's positive everything about it so that's a it's amazing what you're doing and i'm excited to see where uh 
where prep to your door is at in five, 10 years with the work that you guys put in and with the team that you're growing. It's really cool to see so far. And I'm glad that I get to, I, I know five. <laughs> so, uh, but dude, I, I want to like talk about 2020, 2020, 2020, yeah, because I mean, before this, I'm sure that all like preconceived notions just got shattered, right? Like you thought things were a certain way and then boom, something just comes in and like hits you out of the blue has, how has that like affected? Have you felt the effects of that? I don't know. I, I kind of, we can talk about it on a business level, but even personal, like what, what is, what's some of your thoughts around 2020 so far? And, and I want to get into at some point the political landscape because you're interested in this, I, this thing, right? Ooh, and that's a good, yeah. We yeah. So, there. so what, what about COVID? What do you, what do you think about it? Um, it's become so politicized, so politicized. It's absurd. But on a personal level, luckily my business was considered a quote unquote essential business. We feed people. So which your position perfectly for perfectly <laughs> literally i mean i'm not gonna lie it was stressful you got to go back to march right when the shutdowns were initially happening nobody knew what this thing was we didn't know how we could catch it can you catch it from touching a table <laughs> yeah you know and you're running a bit like you're running like, a food business dude and i was like what the fuck like how do <laughs> i was like i look you know you're reading the cdc you're reading all the things all the things you can get your hands on yeah and, and basically they're like we don't know like, we don't know but this thing is spreading like wildfire and i'm like okay how do i keep my team safe yeah. because if one of us gets it we all get it and if we all get it i have to shut down and what do i do if i shut down i can't afford that i don't have like money in the bank to just yeah pay everybody pay the bills keep going we're three and a half years old yeah and so i'm like dude it was like it was like a war zone. I was like, I was like, I, I, this is before masks were available. Remember in March, you mm -hmm. couldn't buy masks. Mm -hmm. I went to Walmart, didn't have thermometers. Fuck. I can't take anybody's temperature. Go to Amazon. Can't get a thermometer for another two months. Okay. What the fuck? One employee, <laughs> one employee had a thermometer and I was like, okay, you gotta bring, can you bring that to work please? Literally. Okay. Boom. Set up a table outside. Mm. We have checklists. Got to take your temperature. Mm -hmm. I went to walmart and got like white plain hanes t-shirts cut them up we're putting those on those are our makeshift masks, <laughs> nice, okay? dude. and and at this point everybody is like what the what the fuck are you doing yeah you know because because they, they don't think it's a serious they don't think point. it's serious at that point but by week by week i remember going to the grocery store and i was like it, it, you know early march one person's wearing a mask what a what a whack job <laughs> another week oh a few people are wearing masks three weeks more people four weeks everybody but yeah you know it was a week by week progression back in march maybe uh, day by day dude. day by day dude yeah. and and then you know a lot of our part-time staff lost their other jobs yeah because they worked in the restaurant hospitality bartenders whatever mm -hmm. they everybody lost their their other job their side job and they came and they're like do you have more well, work like do you have what am I going to do? And I'm like, I can only imagine what that feels like. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't as simple as what I'm about to say, but I was like, yeah, let's, mm. let's double down. We're going to turn this into an opportunity. Mm. But before I got there, I had to make sure that the work environment was safe. Yeah. So how do you do that? 
uh, just We're just protocol. Le- yeah, protocol. yeah. Set up protocols. Implementing the mm-hmm. protocols and enforcing them, mm-hmm. and getting the buy-in from the team and convincing them of why it's important and mm-hmm. how we're all in this together. And if one of us gets sick, we could all get sick. And if we all get sick, nobody has income. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was doing that. And in the beginning it was all fear, but eventually it turned into, I mean, COVID might've been the the best thing for our business. Everybody, no, nobody could go and interact with anybody else. The only people we could interact was were, was with each other at work. Yeah. So we became yeah. like more of a community because mm-hmm. we had no social interaction. And so we just, uh, we, you know, we would work. We found happiness in each other and at work, it was our safe place. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we opened Houston. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, everybody's at home. The restaurants are struggling. You know, this, this is our opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're opening up Houston. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I'm glad I mean, that we did that. Yeah, that's uh, amazing that you could do that. Really, right? Like you have the systems in place, ready to grow during a time where a lot of people are like contracting. You yeah, know? well, that's luckily why, dude. You know how much pressure people were putting on me to like do vending machines in corporate offices. Everybody was like, "Yeah, it would be, it would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Put your mason jar in a vending machine and put it in the office." go and i was like no Mm -hmm. that will distract us Mm. my job is to put food on people's doorsteps Mm -hmm. it's to get it to their home yes you can make a good business case for the vending machines a lot of businesses i've tried the space that we operate in now the new space that we have the old business that was in there they were doing food and vending machines and they went out of business wow if i had committed to that growth strategy and a significant portion of our revenue was coming from that, then we would have been in a vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. If we had tried to do a cafe or restaurants, mm-hmm. we would have been vulnerable. I stuck to the e-com model. I said, we're going to get people food to their doors. Mm-hmm. And I'm super grateful that we kept that focus. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that better than anybody. I think of tech, like you want the, 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 the future of PTYD, nobody will come in on this territory. We will be the best. We'll be the best at what we do in Texas. All the other meal prep companies can enjoy everywhere else. Texas is the 10th largest economy if it was a country in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm good here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to do what we, the highest level. Mm-hmm. Nobody will do better than us here. Mm-hmm. But back to COVID. <laughs> um, you know. What, what do you think about it on a, on a, not necessarily a personal level, but like you were talking about how it became politicized Political. and yeah. And like. What do you think people's reactions like how are you how are you seeing the landscape change you know like i mean did you did you feel a sen- certain sense of unrest before all this stuff happened you know like in the world like i mean and now it's just chaos right with all the other stuff that's happening on top of covid but like i don't know it's just like that little it's all you need you need a little spark and then it just whoo, whole thing got set on fire yeah <laughs> it's a big question, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I think you probably you thought about it a little bit. Of I'm course, sure I think about it all the time. Yeah. Um, that, that's why I look at, at, that's why I think it's so important that we operate our business in a certain way mm-hmm. in terms of how we treat people. And because I think a lot of the problems that we're dealing with now that are manifesting themselves as political problems are really the way our social infrastructure problems. Mm-hmm. You know, people 
feel like the American dream is no longer applicable to them. Mm. That, you know, it is not an equal opportunity environment that if I do work hard, uh, I can't create a better life for myself. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that statement? I think that it's true and untrue. Mm. Um, I do think that the social fabric is unjust and you can, you know, we could just focus on how the criminal justice system is set up. Mm -hmm. Um, The number of people that are serving 10, 20, 30 year sentences for bullshit crimes. Yeah. You know, selling a joint, Mm -hmm. smoking a joint, Mm -hmm. having an eighth in their pocket. And you, you have, you have to serve years of your life for that. Not only years, but like that's a, I mean, it's, it goes beyond per, like jail, right? Or anything like, totally. cause that's, that's the rest of your life really. Like it affects the rest of your life. Yeah. You can't get a job after that. Um, just think about your family members that are witnessing this and think about what it does to their psyche mm-hmm. and how they feel that the system is set up against them. Mm. I recognize all of that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I also think that in America, mm-hmm. if you are a dog and want to make it, you can make it. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can. What's that take? How do you, cause I mean, you know, I, I've heard like a lot of conversations going around lately just about like, you know, your environment is kind of a, a, a lot of what makes you who you are and a lot of what makes you who you become. Like what you said, you know, when you were in the school over there, like you saw a different uh, perspective and you got to think bigger. Maybe a lot of the times you don't get to think bigger, you know? So like, I mean, what do you do? What what do we do about it? Is there a solution to that problem in America in general? Like the ability to think past your circumstances, let's say, Mm. because I mean, that's maybe what's going on, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's like if I could, okay, I do not have a solution. Yeah, no. Yeah, I know. But I just, I just want to get your thoughts on it. You know, like it's not something that's going to be solved overnight, but like, what's that mindset, right? It does come down to mindset. Mm-hmm. teaching um not positive but enabling mindsets mm-hmm. it, there's nothing more powerful than that because i don't believe that you can control for environments mm. you know mm-hmm. we're not all born into the same situation mm-hmm. okay and it's pretty utopic to think that somehow we could get there where everybody is born into the same level playing field mm mm-hmm. So, but what we can control for is our approach to life, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. our, our, our mindset and how, how we look at what's around us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how you achieve that, but I mean, that's kind of what internet and social media, those are the good parts of it. Mm-hmm. That's accessible to anybody. Mm-hmm. You could be, you know, sitting in any bullshit part of the country the and, world, you know, what maybe not, the, maybe. Not, I mean, yeah. I think about those kids in Iraq that were 10 years old and they're not going to be able to eat. They will just die. Yeah. If they don't go and do hard labor, yeah. they'll just die. Mm-hmm. Nobody's there to take care of them. There's no social infrastructure. There's no public programs. <sighs> they will just, yeah. You know? Yeah. So that is not true for a lot. The majority of the world. Yeah. You know? But over here, I do think that it's true. Mm-hmm. By and large, it is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish more people would recognize how lucky we are here. 
I am not discounting how honestly corrupt and bad our system is. Mm -hmm. Like we're not, we are not doing a great job, but in comparison to the rest of the world, um, man, we're super lucky. And and I'm fortunate enough to have exposure to that. Mm -hmm. You know, I have spent time in India and Pakistan and, uh, you know, just places where it's, I don't know how to tell that person that you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like I don't, yeah, I don't even know how, Yeah, but over here, even if you're sitting in like some, whether you're out in, in the country or somewhere in the city, you, you can, Mm -hmm. it will be hard as fuck. Mm -hmm. It will be really hard and unfair and all of that. Mm -hmm. But you could, Mm -hmm. you could for sure. You can sell something online, you know, Mm -hmm. you never have to show your face. Mm -hmm. You can write copy, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of opportunity, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so when like, you know, after COVID hit and then we had George Floyd, which is still like the George Floyd incident, like, I mean, that sparked a whole nother fire, right? Which was, uh, maybe necessary. Yeah, for sure. I, I hope that there's basically criminal justice reform for that. And I'm also happy to see, you know, the sheer number of white people that are comfortable saying black lives matter. Now, Mm -hmm. if you look at Ferguson in 2016, 17, black lives matter was not like a okay thing to say. That was like highly charged. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, really? You can't say those three words, dude. Mm -hmm. Like black lives matter. They Mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with it? Mm -hmm. Blue lives matter too. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with that. Mm -hmm. White lives matter too. Mm -hmm. Fucking we all matter guys. Yeah. Let's, Let's like get on the same page. And, but I'm okay with like, I'm okay. I've dude, I've dealt with a lot of racism in my childhood and I'm not just talking about words. I'm talking about like physical violence Mm -hmm. and from, from, from like kids your age at that time or like what, what was that? Yeah, Yeah. totally. And even now, yeah. Why do you think that, where do you think that that comes from is from a, uh, well nine 11 and I was in a military city. Hmm. And, you know, I was the only, my parents are from Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Sounds really similar to Afghanistan. Mm. They just assume that we're the same. Mm. And also like Pakistan has a lot of issues. Right. But, Mm. but like, as far as I was concerned, I'm like, I don't fucking have anything to do with that. Like, what the fuck dude? I live here. I was born. I don't know. Yeah. This is my life. But yeah, you know, terrorists, sand nigger, all that good stuff daily, Mm. daily. Um, from kids from kids even when i even as an adult dude when i was uh doing the munchie bus thing 20 years old um some drunk dude comes out and pulls out a gun on me and tells me to, to go back to where i came from what the fuck? yeah what do you what do you what 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 do you do i'm like where the fuck do you mean buddy Houston? <laughs> yeah, no. yeah yeah like you're just trying to scare me right now yeah i i for whatever whatever part of my brain was like he's just trying to scare you and he even with a gun pointed to you you he's still not gonna punk me and that's probably the reckless part of, of me as well it wasn't like bravery it was like i'm pissed like you are are you fucking serious right now yeah like shaking i'm like how what the fuck dude i'm just walking yeah i'm just walking yeah uh, there's why would why 
Yeah. What, what do you have going on in your life that you really feel like you need to do this? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the interactions that I've had with police, um, and how they, you know, you see me with a big beard mm-hmm. when I have it and I have long hair and if I'm in sweatpants, beautiful long hair, by the way, thank you. <laughs> you know, there was a time a couple of years ago when the alarm went off at our kitchen and Heather and I were like, what the fuck? Like the code's not working. It wasn't going on. She was inside and the police rolled up while, and I was outside and the interaction with me is hand on the gun. Like, what are you doing here? You know, st- you know, state your business. Heather walks around the corner and comes and stand by me and, oh, the arms relax. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just little things like that. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Like that is a part of life. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, that we, we totally skipped over the part of my story where I got sober. Like I smoked a ton of weed. Mm mm-hmm to deal with the anxiety of that. Like those, those events, like they fucked, they fucked with me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't walk into a room without feeling like, you know, what are people thinking about me? Like you don't belong here, Mm -hmm. you know, just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel that way anymore. Mm -hmm. And when, when you got what, like, were you, how long? 25. So I'm almost two years sober. Okay. So I was like, why, why did you choose to, to weed and yeah. Adderall Adderall and weed. that's a part of the education dude when I was when I was a teenager they diagnosed me with ADD and got me on the Adder- Adderall and Vyvanse and I became addicted to it dude and I I got to a place where I was taking more than the doctor told me because it's stimulating and I was like I like it's it it's stimulating and then there's a crash and I was like, I don't like the feeling of the crash. It makes me want to die. Like really? Yeah. It was, depre- never- I remember in my freshman year of college taking Adderall and all of a sudden, and I had this like coldness come over my body. Like I was immensely sad mm. and I was like, what's wrong with me? I was like, why am I so sad right now? And then I like found out on Google, like this is one of the negative side effects of Adderall. Mm. And to avoid that, I just took more Adderall and eventually I ended up like spiraling into a really bad place with it. Mm. Um, Almost destroyed the business with my addiction. And I would smoke a lot of weed to also cope with the down of that. But I was a kid prescribed by a doctor that said, yeah, you're, you know, he saw my knee shaking. He saw me fidgeting with my fingers uh, I told him like, I can't do my homework. I can't pay attention in these boring fucking classes. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you have ADD script you up. And all of a sudden I could, you know, focus in class and mm-hmm. do homework. That's a, that, I feel like our generation and maybe it's starting to come to light a little bit more. I think of like people understanding that maybe that's not the best solution for that problem, but our generation and I obviously I can only speak for our generation, but like, I feel like it's a very prominent thing. People, you know, people taking Adderall, people taking Vyvanse, like that's a, I don't know. Was that like a thing before us? Like, no, it was meth. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. they packaged it up and made it legit, but that's what it is. Yeah. It's speed. Yeah. So crazy. So, you know, you, um, yeah. What, 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 where'd it hit you? Where were you like? I need to stop. 
Well, when I told myself I would stop and I couldn't, I'll be like, I'm not going to smoke weed tomorrow. I'm not going to take Adderall tomorrow, but I would wake up and I would do it. Mm. And it kept happening, kept Mm. happening. I kept promising myself I would stop and I wouldn't stop. And I had to hide it from everybody. Mm. And what that does to your soul, it degrades you and you lose Mm self-respect. And when you lose self-respect, you treat people differently. Mm -hmm. You lash out. Because if you don't respect yourself, you can't respect others. Mm -hmm. And it was destroying my relationship with Heather. Mm -hmm. It was, it was just bad. Mm -hmm. I was, I got to a place where I just wanted to die. I was like, I don't know how to fix this. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what to do. Mm. And, um, do you just have willpower power to stop or like what? How does that like recovery process? Ha- somebody start, took know? me, somebody took me to an AA meeting mm. and you know, the first thing that they say is you have to admit that you are powerless. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are powerless over alcohol. My thing wasn't alcohol, but I'm powerless over weed and Adderall. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, well that's fucking true. Cause mm-hmm. I've been trying to have power over it and say that I will stop and come up with these strategies. Like, okay, I'll only smoke this much or I'll only take this much and I'll do this. It never worked. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very <laughs> willful person. Like I can do things, but, um, I just gave in, I just gave myself to the program mm-hmm. and it's a spiritual program. Mm-hmm. It's, developing a relationship with some higher power, whether that's God or Mm. however you conceptualize it. Mm -hmm. Did you have that before? What Um, were your thoughts on it before? Well, I grew up in a Muslim household. Mm -hmm. And then when I was like 19, 20, whatever, Mm -hmm. around the Munchie Buffs time, um, I was watching like some George Carlin special. Mm -hmm. And he was just dogging on religion, Mm -hmm. how stupid it is and, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe he's right. Mm-hmm. So I went through like an agnostic phase, mm-hmm. super angry phase, too, which I think a lot of people go through when they grow up in the church or grow up in a strict religious household. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I have a lot of Catholic friends that experience that anger as well. Um, but yeah, so I had lost it. Mm-hmm. And then I had to like develop it on my own through the program. Like, okay. So yeah, I do have, I do believe in something greater than us. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to a lot of scripture when I was getting sober. Mm-hmm. What does that like, um, what do you, does it, what's it help you? What do you, what do you feel when you're listening to it? You know, like, what is it? What is it that you like? What it like faith, just faith, just having, the concept of faith and mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. And, but you, you can learn it. You can learn it from the Bible. I feel like you can burn, learn it from the Torah or the Quran mm-hmm. or Buddhism. They all have something to offer. Mm-hmm. They're all trying to get at it in, honestly, a very similar and and sometimes different ways. Mm. But the whole basis, ultimately, for me, is like, it's to be like, slow up, buddy. You know, like you are not the end all be all. I'm mm-hmm. not the end all be all. Mm-hmm. I'm not the center of the universe. And sometimes it's good to let go of control and mm-hmm. like ask God, what do what what do you, what do you want for me? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. How can I 
how can I stop thinking about myself and start thinking of others in this moment? Mm. And you diffuse your ego, mm. you know, mm -hmm. the self-centered thoughts. Mm -mm. And that that's basically what the 12 steps are mm -hmm. in AA. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I got. Mm -hmm. so I was lucky because the group that I went to was a 6 a.m. group with some hardcore old they, these people were like 50s, 60s, very conservative, but like, mm. um, like all hardcore Christians in there. Mm. And that's just the group that I fucked with. I was like, these dudes don't fuck around. These guys and girls, they are, when you come into this room, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about how you can help somebody else. Mm. And like that mindset is, I don't know. I don't know how, but that's what got me sober. Mm. I think I was just, yeah. That's what got me sober. Mm. So like in the last two years, what's that? Any, any moments where you've been like, wow, that's how I used to be. Yeah. Like right now talking about it, it, it's, it's not how I am now. Yeah. I don't need substances. I don't, I'm good. Like I'm strong. Um, and the ego can creep up and self-destructive behavior shows up in so many ways, mm -hmm. you know, binge eating. Mm-hmm slamming coffee to feel up all day mm. having pre-workout all the time because you just want to feel like fucking raw <laughs> you know for sure dude yeah um that's so, hard though when you're a hard charging person to not like i mean that's what gets you like gets you off right like you're like man i like that feeling of you know hi it makes you feel like you're achieving something like you're going after it like yeah. i mean why why not do it? Right. I mean, that's the thought process. But if, like, if, if like it doesn't result in destructive behavior for you, then that's fine. Mm -hmm. How do you, identify? it's not for me. Mm -hmm. How do you, do you balance? Like, how do you balance trying to achieve something versus being happy with what you have? Is that like a, do you struggle with that? Or like, do you think about that at all? Like, yeah, every day mm -hmm. I am happy mm -hmm. right now. I'm happy. I also have goals. Mm. The goal, achieving the goal will not make me any happier. Mm -hmm. That's not a belief I have, but I still want to achieve it mm -hmm. because it's fun to see what I can do. You know, like I have goals that I'm not a hundred percent certain I can achieve, but I do also believe that. So you have, so you, I set a goal. Mm -hmm. I was telling you this before we started recording. I woke up this morning with anxiety. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, we, we made some big bets to invest in our expansion. Mm -hmm. We took on some debt and you know, we have to make certain payments in the next 18 months. And I woke up this morning. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> how, how am I going to pull this off? Yeah. I'm laughing just cause I can imagine that feeling, you yeah. know, you're like, oh. I'm just doing the numbers like, and I'm like, but it weighs on you, dude. It's like, it's not, it's not healthy. Right. I mean, yeah. you're like, like you start getting in a loop and then you're like, you never find yourself out of that loop, but you got to get out. You got to stop the loop as it's happening. Mm -hmm. And this quote on your wall, it says the mind is the limit. As long as the mind can envision the fact that you can do something, you can do it. As long as you really believe 100% mm -hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger, that motherfucker has done everything you can possibly <laughs> think of. And that's what I did this morning. Like I didn't even read that quote, but that's what I do. I do it every morning and every night. Mm hmm. I, I, I have like five clearly articulated one year goals mm. and I, I, I usually do it on my runs and I will just feel 
in my body in my cells mm. i try to feel like the goals have already been achieved mm -hmm. that it's been done mm -hmm. how do i feel i feel amazing holy shit i did it holy shit I, I already did that yeah wow okay cool and i feel that sense of positivity with that outcome yeah and and then i like i don't feel anxious about it anymore now i'm in a mindset of I woke up with that anxiety in the morning, but now I'm like, I don't, I get to learn how to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I get to figure out how to do this. Mm -hmm. Such a more positive outlook, such a more empowering outlook, right? Yeah. Like that's my, that is something that I voluntarily, voluntarily have undertaken and it's going to be fun. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uncertain. This is what I get to do in my life. Mm -hmm. I get to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I know I can do it. Mm -hmm. I know that I can figure it out. I may not know how right now, but the more energy I spend on thinking about how it's not possible versus using that energy to figure out how it is possible, I'm, I'm going to go with the latter. Mm -hmm. I'm going to invest all my energy into just one foot in front of the other mm -hmm. and that's what they teach you in aa as well mm. it's what's the next right step mm -hmm. just because you're like how the fuck do i kick drugs how the fuck do i kick alcohol my body's screaming at me my mind is screaming at me i just gotta i just i'm just gonna go have one drink i'm just gonna go take one hit mm. and it's just just take the next right step what's the next right step mm. the next right step is to go for this run Mm -hmm. The next right step is to put these socks on. Mm -hmm. Now the next right step is to put my foot in this shoe. <laughs> yeah. You break it all the way down and you get out of that loop and you just focus on that next right thing when you're in that negative place. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you just momentum is a beautiful thing and you just momentum can go in a negative direction and momentum can go in a positive direction and you work like hell to, to build momentum in the positive direction mm -hmm. and when negative thoughts start happening negative behaviors start manifesting you you cut that off mm -hmm. because you you're like i said earlier good versus evil you're either investing in the good or you're investing in the bad you you just focus all your energy on that good mm -hmm. so yeah, we got to get going here in a second yeah we're all over it's a eleven fifty right now but um <laughs> it's crazy right yeah um uh, but uh so what I want to go deeper on the political climate, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that we should probably just like okay. save that for another day, you know, because I mean, unless you have a, unless you have something that you could like, I don't know, give some, give some thought on like, cause this is something that's super you're passionate about, right? Like this upcoming election is like pretty yeah. pivotal and I mean, everyone is right. The next like, election annoys me. Mm. Because I don't like the choices. Mm -hmm. um, what do you do then? And I think, well, you still vote. Mm -hmm. But I, I also think that all of our attention goes to the presidential election when the president is not going to change your life the way that your local governing bodies are. Mm -hmm. Okay? Who is your local congressman? Who are the senators that represent you? Who are the city council members? Who is your local judge? That's where I would like to see... Um, more, attention. more attention go towards. I hate going to the ballot box and knowing who I'm going to vote for for president, but seeing the 50 other names and being like, I don't know who any of these people are. And I'm, I studied this. Mm -hmm. I'm very, 
aware. I'm I'm pretty above average. I would say not an expert, but I'm I'm pretty well read on this stuff. And if I don't know who all these people are, I don't think all the rest of these people know who they are. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I'm either a Republican or a Democrat. Check 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 check. Mm-hmm. So that's where I would like to see. Democracy doesn't work unless you have a well-informed republic. Mm-hmm. And we're not well-informed. And so I do think that there's probably opportunity in that space for organizations to pop up. Mm. But then it's also a personal responsibility thing to like to learn this stuff. You know, when they set up our country, they did so in a way that um, civil responsibility was a part of your life. You were supposed to have civic engagement. Mm. You go to your city council meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, you try to be involved in how your town is run, mm-hmm. but we don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. We're just completely focused on our careers or hobbies. And we just demand that the politicians do things that we like, mm-hmm. but we're not involved in the process. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we want to see our politicians change, then that's on us to get more engaged mm-hmm. and, and be clear about what we want, not just scream, not just, get angry, but be like, this is the change that I would like to see. This is the reform that I would like to see. This is so that that's, that's one. Number two, I don't think ideology serves anybody. I don't think that you should just blanket support anything, whether that's a party or a person. Think, think critically. I think critical thinking is the most important mental function you can have in life is to say, I agree with this and I disagree with that rather than having an emotional reaction to a speech you saw and saying, Oh my God, this stupid motherfucker, blah, blah, blah. You stupid. How is this person in the white house? Blah, 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 blah. Like just going off. It's like, okay, I don't like what he said here. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe what he said here, I don't disagree with all that much. Mm-hmm. And then you can sit down and talk to anybody. You know, you're not just screaming at each other. I would love to see more of that. Mm-hmm. That is, that's my hope moving forward. That's kind of how I approach the vegan conversation, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. know, I could sit down with a meathead and have a real regular good conversation. I may not convert you, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we both walk away with some perspectives. And I just think that our country would benefit from that education and effort. Mm-hmm. Mm, I agree. There's not, it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to do because, you know, you have to live your life. You know, there's like a, I I really struggle in that area, right? Like paying attention uh, to that stuff because it's just like never really been a thing for me. I don't know. So I guess like nobody is though, you know, it's so far removed from how we live. So it's not like, I think the second part of what I said is probably more important at this stage mm-hmm. is the learning how to talk to people again, mm-hmm. really learning how to talk to people that you may disagree with or not identify with totally and, and still have mutual respect. Mm-hmm. I think that's been lost mm-hmm. for sure. And I would love to see more effort there and you can do that with anybody, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on talking with Tanner dude this has been one of the one of the more like uh um 
fun ones for me to be honest so <laughs> far up to this point just because i knew that we were going to come on here and like have a good conversation no matter where it went. i feel like i was lecturing you <laughs> well that's what it's supposed to be right <laughs> i mean this is a place for you to like i mean now i already knew a little bit about prep your door right but like yeah. I never knew the philosophy behind how it got to what it is today and all that stuff and then you know obviously i don't want to talk that much on here that's my that's the point like yeah well you ask good questions so thanks man thanks. you I, I don't i'm not a huge talker yeah but you talk hey you just talked i for talked like, a lot dude <laughs> that's good though yeah. that's good you always need <laughs> i feel like um that means you did a good job thanks man thanks yeah. um so where can people i do you've been you know you're like me a little inconsistent with the grams you've been getting but more it's consistent. not a goal it's not a goal of mine yeah yeah you know yeah. like i like to pop on there every once in a while give people an update yeah which and I then, appreciate like, if it's not serving me, I step away from it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have, um, I'm not trying to be an influencer or anything. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on building my business. Mm -hmm. But when I do, if I do tell myself that, okay, this is a goal, then, then I'll expect myself to do it. Mm -hmm. And then you can call me out for it. Well, I'm not calling you out for it. I'm <laughs> not, no, because I mean, I totally understand that, you know, and, but then it like, when it's when your goal is to grow a following like that's a yeah. tricky goal because it's like who it are you trying tricky. to please here you yeah, know i mean so anyway people can follow you yeah. at it's just fias rana f-a-i-e-z-r-a-n-a mm -hmm. that's what i am everywhere because luckily i have a unique name <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh prep to your door yeah prep to your door that's it on Instagram, um, Instagram find them on the website, prep to your .com. Prep to your .com. Cool. Yeah. You guys have any, what, what's on the menu this week? Wait, wait, what are you guys developing? Um, we have a cob salad going out next week. Nice. I ordered like six of those mm -hmm. and we have peanut chop salad. I ordered six of those <laughs> Buffalo cauliflower mm. that's going out. Just good stuff. Our yeah. menu changes every week. Mm -hmm. I can't keep up with it anymore, but I'm always excited. Oh, we got these figgy jam oats because figs are in season. Yeah. Whew. There's cashew bomb. butter on there. Dude, those are bomb. <laughs> bomb. Nice. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. What'd you think? That was, that was awesome. <laughs>